kid. Listen, I'm coming in, okay? No, no, don't. Exactly. What the hell is the situation? What did you shit yourself or something? Oh, I wish. I, I, I got it stuck. You got what stuck? It. Oh. It. Um. Um. Uh. Well. Uh, listen. Uh. It's not the end of the world. Uh, these kind of things happen. Uh, uh, let's have a look at it. No, for God's sake! Shh! 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 Uh, uh, Sheila! No! Sheila! Uh, no, honey! Don't! Sheila, honey, uh, uh, you, you gotta come here. You gotta, you, you gotta see this. What? What? No! Uh, don't come in here, honey. Don't! Don't! Don't worry. She's a dental hygienist. She'll know exactly what to do. Hi, Ted. Hi, Mrs. Jensen. How are you? You okay? Yeah. Shit! Charlie, you could have warned me. Keep it down. Okay, Charlie, Miss Jensen, I just don't want Mary to. I don't want her here, you know? Yeah, um, let's just relax here, okay? Now, uh, um, what exactly are we, uh, looking at here? Um, what do you mean? What? Well, I mean, um, is it the, um, or the. Is it the Frank or the Beans? I, I I don't know. It looks like I think it's a little bit of both. Break some veins! Break some veins! So, I heard you guys slap with the big D. Excuse me? Divorce. It's rough. I've been there. I've actually had three big Ds slap me right across the face. You have to know you're saying that wrong. The first month is the hardest. You reevaluate everything. Month two, you start exploring. Go to Peru, do some ayahuasca, buy a fun bowling shirt. And the next woman that gives you attention, you marry immediately. But boredom brings that second divorce. You start drinking, get some tattoos, and on a bender, you marry your tattoo artist. But by the time the third divorce comes, you sign the papers at the dog track and realize Scientology's got some decent ideas. Huh. Check sibilance, is this thing on? Hello, look at all of you wonderful people. Silky dirt dude, get to know it? Oops, sorry, I had my Jonathan Antonizer 6000 stuck in the on position. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for some entertainment landfill news. I got nothing. You're listening. 
listening to Entertainment Landfill, film, television, pop culture. It's where you find it. Welcome to another exciting episode of Entertainment Landfill News. <gasps> Hi. Well, hello there. I am the Jaystrom. Welcome to the show. And I don't do the show alone. I also do it with Stephen the Pop Culture Zealot. What's happening? Hello, Stephen. Hello there, Jason. How are you doing today, sir? Fantastic. Hi, bitch. Oh. Ooh. What? <laughs> it's Easy. so nice. <laughs> so rude. Well, Stephen, it finally happened. Did you like that? Break some veins. <laughs> now this was fifteen years in the making. <laughs> <laughs> it really was because uh, you, were, if people, if you listened to last week's episode, we did the Top Chef bit where they were talking all about uh, cow bull testicles. And uh, cow testicles, they don't have them, right? It's bulls who have them. What's funny is way back in the day, you know, with the whole thing of drops on the show, there there have been times in the past where you'll go, you'll mount something to me to play. Like, you might say, silky dirt. And I'll be be like, what? And you'll mount it like, silky dirt. And I'm like, I I don't, wait, what? (laughs) And it's so funny. There are times you'll grab a pen and you'll scribble something down. I'm like, I can't read that. What does that say? (laughs) It's illegible. So I have no idea. And you're just like, just forget it. Just forget it. So the (laughs) other time is passed. So in the last episode, (laughs) during the top chef clip, you were like, mute, mute the mic, mute the mic. Cause you won't. And I was like, why? You know, we, the clip ran out and I was like, Steven, what do I do? And you're like, never mind, never mind. But you told me, I wanted you to play the Franks and Beans drop. <laughs> and I thought about it, and I go, wait a second. We've never had a Franks and Beans drop. <laughs> it doesn't we've, exist. We've had others from something about Mary. Yeah, we've had the, I think we have uh, the Warren, have you seen my baseball? It's like this. Have you, have you seen my baseball? Yeah, and we have some Matt Dillon where uh, he's, uh, I can't remember what he's doing, but he's basically talking about uh it's one where he's talking about he used to take care of uh, oh wait i just oh. remembered it do you remember this oh it's so like uh i work with retards <laughs> it's like so on pc <laughs> but he's trying to seem real sensitive to mary but he yeah. says everything wrong right uh we've got those but we've never had the franks and beans Break some veins. that's right until uh, now but what's funny is i remember I think Steven has asked me to play Franks and Beans before. <laughs> like 10 years ago, I think you did the same thing. You're like, Franks and Beans. And I'm like, what? I, we don't have that. But I was always, I always just imagine like, Steven, you could do like, you could just go, Franks and Beans, or just say it, you know? Like, 
And then the following show, I'd be like, I'm making a drop of that. And it would be Steven saying it. Or we could even have TRS-80 saying it. Franks and Beans. Yeah, they're just not as good. Franks and Beans. (laughs) Franks and Beans. (laughs) But finally, Steven, it is a drop. How excited are you? I got a drop made. Franks and Beans! Franks and Beans! (laughs) <laughs> now, now it won't come into use for another 15 years. <laughs> I love that giggle. He goes, <laughs> listen, right after he says it the second time. Break some veins! Break some veins! <laughs> he does like this little like hiccup. A hiccup <laughs> laugh. Is it the Frank or the beans? Break <laughs> some beans! But, uh, how the, how the beans get above the Frank? <laughs> <laughs> Very exciting. Very exciting, guys. But... Thank you so much for joining us on this week's episode of Entertainment Landville News. We have all sorts of awesome entertainment news to talk about. It's very exciting stuff. But before we get to that, Stephen, uh, we actually have quite a bit of voicemail, which is exciting. Uh, The last couple of weeks, I think we've had like one, one or two, but now we've got three voicemails. And before I play those, I wanted to ask you, where were you this week? Topeka. Topeka, Kansas. That's still in Topeka. That's awesome. How is it this time of year? Hello, Frisco. No, no Frisco. Oh, it's cold. So you were in Kansas. It's very cold in the morning. It gets warm in the afternoon. It's you don't know what it's going to be. It sucks. So uh, when you landed here today, were you like, ah, yes. nice weather, nice? Holy shit! <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens when I lay in there. <laughs> okay, so, Stephen, uh, what do you say we play some voicemail? Sure. I'm pretty excited about this, uh, but <laughs> we got to have the voicemail intro, am I right? Can't yes. just go into voicemail. TRS-80, you know, I wrote the script, the, what do you call it, the, the MS-DOS, uh, to have her create this intro, so we got to play it. All right, here we go, guys, voicemail. And now it's time to hear some voicemail. So exciting. It's uh, uh, quite a build-up, Stephen. So here we go. Our first voicemail. Voicemail. Did I even say voicemail? First voicemail. First voicemail is from Adam. Adam from the Bay Area. Let's check it out. Hey, Jason and Stephen. Nowhere in Mulberry slash Entertainment Landfill crew. Hey, guys. Enjoyed last week's show. It was really cool. It was balls out. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I wanted to send a quick voicemail uh, to tell you guys that I enjoyed um, the use of the drops on this show. I love the intro, too. And, um, yeah, just, you, just pretty much more foggy in general would be great. Um, nice. I got to say, though, I was very uneasy while uh, Jason was hoarse and asked Steven to read the Rotten Tomatoes review. I thought we were going to have another helicopter crash <laughs> on our hands. So what I think is a good idea is if um, Steven reads a lot more stuff on the show now. Yeah. That way we're just going to be mining for gold drops that Foggy can use at his will. So anyways, it was nice to hear Steven read Laura Clifford's um, of Reeling Reviews Game Night Review. Too bad she didn't like it. 
Um, yeah. But yeah, I loved the uh, sounds of the lozenge. Thought I was listening to some ASMR there for a second. <laughs> um, lots of lots of clacky teeth noises and heavy breathing by Jason during that scene. And I uh, <laughs> really, really enjoyed horrible. it. Horrible. But guys, I hope you have a great time on the show. Hopefully Bill can make it on the show with you guys this week. That would be awesome. I will be looking forward to listening. I won't be able to listen live. Got stuff to do. All right, guys. Have a good night. Bye. Thank you so much, Adam, and let's see if Bill's here. Oh. He's been posting really good work of uh, of his work. Uh, Adam and Ross working together on that fence. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Those guys are handy, yeah. man. They could build us really a NIM nice. clubhouse, couldn't they? Nice. Now, uh, Adam said something interesting there about last week, you know, when I was coughing, oh, Stephen, you read this <laughs> review. Do you want to compare it? Let's see. <laughs> If it's as good as the radio crash, uh, the radio crash, as, see if it's as good as a helicopter crash. You want to check it out, Stephen? Sure. Okay, here we go. Directors Daily Goldstein and a game cast. In, uh, intermittently keep this film aloft. McAdams' nutsy enthusiasm and Plemons' creepy obsessiveness, particularly on target, but Mark Perez's labored script creates a drag that ultimately overtakes their effort. What do you think, Steven? Just as good as my helicopter. (laughs) (laughs) A a rescue helicopter has crashed. (laughs) Pretty awesome. Uh, I like it, Steven. Break some beans! Yes, Frank's in beans. There we go. I have to practice my... uh, Well, I was reading from a distance, too. Well, let's see. What is uh, the mom from Something About Mary think of your reading of that? Holy shit! (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, we have another voicemail. Um, Let's see. I've got a voicemail from Ken! Let's check out Ken's voicemail! Hello, folks at Entertainment Landfill. This is Ken Preventure calling, just uh, calling to leave a voicemail that I hope will get through in time for today's broadcast. And I know lately my voicemails have been a little long, and that's there's a technical glitch there where I try to edit these things. Franks and beans. And then for some reason the edits, even though uh, it looks like it's edited, it's not really edited. So I'll try to keep it short and uh, unedited. Take as long as you want. Uh, and so it's been a while since I left a voicemail. Lots happened since then. I really enjoyed the podcast from last week. I have not yet seen the Black Panther, but I have seen uh, Cloverfield Paradox, ah. which I kind of enjoyed as as schlock. I think that's the best way to think of Cloverfield Paradox. It's total schlock, but it's it's good schlock. Um, also premiering on Netflix this weekend, I don't know if you've, heard of this but a new movie called the outsider and it stars jared Leto <laughs> as uh, this is set uh, after world war ii and jared Leto plays uh, uh, someone who's captured by the japanese and is released and in exchange for his release i guess he has to help the yakuza in yakuza. post-war japan so it's something that's right up my alley and it premieres on netflix today march 9th Cool. So if you guys have a chance to check it out, I'd be interested in your thoughts. I'll be checking it out as soon as possible. Um, I recently just saw Annihilation, which I don't think you guys talked about yet. And uh, I'm curious what you thought about Annihilation. We I did about read Rock the Tomatoes. book, which is part of a trilogy, the Southern Reach trilogy. 
And I thought the first book, which is, I guess, what the movie is based on, was really good and very kind of creepy. I actually listened to the audio book, and the the audio book is is a very haunting experience with... uh, there's the the narration is done in first person by a character who has no name. None of the characters have names in the book. They're just referred to by their 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 function, their job title. So you have four women, and one is a biologist, and and one is an anthropologist, and one is a surveyor, and and one's a you know so they and they refer to each other by their titles. You know, so. So someone will say, "Hey, where's the where's the biologist? Oh, I think she's with the surveyor. Oh, let's go ask the anthropologist." You know, this is the kind of dialogue uh, in the book. Uh, the movie's very different in that there are five instead of four women, and they have names, and they try to make the lead character, the biologist played by Natalie Portman, they try to make her kind of a likable protagonist instead of someone who, in the book, seemed seemed like a, a borderline sociopath. She definitely had some serious uh, uh, difficulty kind of uh, making friends, and I guess her marriage was, was falling apart, you know, and there are flashbacks that kind of talk about, like, why, you know, she didn't really love her parents and she didn't really know her husband. But in the movie, they try to make her out to be someone who is more of a normal every every man or every woman kind of character. And I'm not sure that really works. Uh, it's not as horrifying to have the comfort of a, of a likable character surviving this, uh, this ordeal, whereas someone who you don't like goes through the same ordeal. You know, it adds a little extra layer of horror, I think. Um, anyway, I thought the movie was pretty, pretty well done, and uh, I, I'm really interested in what you guys thought about it. I would like to it. see it. Uh, Alex Garland. I'm not a. I, I don't know if I'm a. If I'm crazy about his work, but his work is definitely high level science fiction. Um, now, uh, speaking of books, speaking of movies based on books and audio books, I go. wanted to follow up on a post I made at the on the on Facebook <laughs> about Ready Player One. Yes. And this is a post that I put up saying that the movie doesn't seem to be tracking to be a big success. It looks like the movie's tracking to underperform. And uh, this is interesting. I, I did not expect that. I expected it to be just a, a slam-dunk blockbuster. And hmm. uh, I don't know what's going on. But then, you know, I did also say in my Facebook post that I thought Ready Player One was the worst book ever written. So I guess I, I don't know. I, I'm not happy that the movie is not tracking well. Because great movies can come out of really bad books. I mean, The Godfather is a good example See, of, I don't of a really bad like book those becoming a really articles. great movie. And even Spielberg does this, too. I mean, Jaws. Jaws was not a bad book, I would say. But definitely the movie took that idea and, and from the book and made it into something great. Hmm. So I, I, I don't think just because the book is really terrible that the, the movie has to be terrible. Um, maybe I should explain why I think the book is is, is yeah. awful, and maybe that could be something I don't know that we talk about before the movie comes out. I don't know if you guys even want to hear this negativity, but no, sure. All right, I'll try to be as positive as I can. I guess the problem with Ready Player One for me partly is how I read it, which is also through the audio book that's narrated by Will Wheaton, 
And I don't think the audiobook was badly done. I think Will Wheaton did a fantastic job narrating Ready Player One. The problem is, with an audiobook, it's usually, it's usually uh, the total text. So you're hearing every single word. You can't skip. You can't go faster. You basically have to take in every single word of that book. And let me tell you, that is torture. <laughs> Ready Player One, word for, word for word, is probably the worst book ever written. Um, Holy that's, shit. I, I'm being a little hyperbolic, but not really. Word for word, it's the worst book ever written. I think there's a great book in there that would be probably one-tenth the size of Ready Player One. And I think the real problem for me is that the, the character who narrates that story, and Will Wheaton, again, does a great job of this, the persona of the really hyped-up nerd who thinks everything that we like, everything that he likes is the most important thing in the world. And not only that, but the world around him agrees. <laughs> so so, so this, the world of Ready Player One says everything this kid loves is everything there is. And nothing else is important. And I don't think the book is, is giving us the distance from that, from that, I would say, fanaticism that, that I think would make it a, a more interesting or better book. I think we're really supposed to be caught up in this, in this race for power, and you get power based on nostalgia. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I just have a... I, 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 I just it. thought it's, it's, it's not a bad idea, but it's written where it becomes the worst book ever. It becomes the worst thing ever. All that aside, the movie I think can and and with with someone like Spielberg making it should be much better than the book, and I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, but I'm really intrigued by the way it's not getting as much attention. Maybe because it's not based on something. I don't know. I, it is based on something people know. Maybe it's for another generation than the generation that's tracked by this by this kind of advanced tracking. Um, the title, Ready Player One, is also a problem. That phrase, I think, is of... I, I know what that phrase means, but nowadays you don't know what Ready Player One really means, right? I mean, you don't you don't go to arcades and play games anymore, and you don't get that kind of... Uh, that, that kind of video gaming. You don't just... You just don't see that anymore. There's nothing in it for, for today's audiences, except the older audiences. Um... So we'll see. Anyway, uh, I know I'm heading towards the nine-minute mark here, so I should probably wrap it up. And I'm not going to edit this, uh, but I just want to say again how much I uh, am enjoying the podcast and appreciate you guys. And so I will see you next time. All right. Take care. Bye. All right. Thank you, Ken. And thank you for your views on Ready Player One. Holy shit! Actually, with the advent of these new arcade bars, people Mm -hmm. are... You know, the younger college students are going to these places and playing video games. So, yeah, is that term maybe becoming known? I, I understand what he means, and also, you know, recently uh, we actually went to that, you know, '80s arcade. We've been we, to two different ones. Yeah, Terry's. Well, we took Emma and, and two of her friends, and yeah. one of her friends, uh, her friend Sam, 
who's a boy, like the perfect age for Ready Player One. And I said, hey, are you excited for Ready Player One? And he was like, uh, oh, yeah, uh, I don't know. I don't know what that is. He really didn't know about it. The thing is, that book, you could say, it's definitely a young adult book. It's for young adult readers. I'm surprised he hadn't read it. But here's the thing about Ready Player One, the book. I read it. I physically read it, you know. And then I listened to the audiobook most recently because it was on sale for like five ninety nine in the Google Play Store. And I was like, oh, cool. I'm going to listen to the audiobook with Will Wheaton. Because I know Bill always complained about it because he hated the way Will Wheaton would pronounce certain words like poseur. And it drove him nuts. But I listened to the audiobook. And it was funny. There was so much of it that I didn't remember like I was like, you know, when he's investigating certain, like how to get certain keys. And I was like, I really can't remember what happens here. Like, I can't remember. And then when it happened, I was like, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Like for instance, I didn't remember any of the Monty Python and the Holy Grail stuff at all. When it happens in the audiobook when he, it got to there, I was like, I don't even remember this when I read it. Like that's how long ago. What was that? 2011 or a something. Long time. Yeah. It was a long time ago. But I will say this, when I got the book, I had been anticipating it for a long time. And when it came out in 2011, I'm going to say, I read it like in a week or maybe two weeks. I just, you know, Bill will read a book really fast. I read it slow. I slow down. Like I'm only going to read a chapter because I get really get into it, but I don't want it to end. And uh, we were both really into that book because uh, it was right in my wheelhouse, you know, uh, I was born 1971, the 80s, especially the early 80s, I was right there, my, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13, right there. You knew all the terminology that was going on in Yeah, the book. and what's the thing is, uh, Ernie Klein kind of does interactive novels. Anything I didn't know, I could stop reading and look it up online. He describes some ancient cover to Zork. I can Google it and look at it and go, whoa, that's cool. Or if he talks about some video game, I could go on YouTube, look at the footage of the of playing the video game and know exactly what he's talking about. And it's really cool. And in fact, I loved Armada too. I do know for a fact that, especially recently, I'll get to it in the news coming up, but a lot of people hate Ready Player One. They despise it. They dis- Remember Pixels, that Adam Sandler movie, yes. how everyone hated that? They equally hate Ready Player One. When they see the commercial, you hear that little Back to the Future kind of like, that kind of Alan Silvestri thing. They get so angry when they see that. They don't like, uh, they don't like the stuff with uh, the DeLorean. They just don't like references to other things. But that's what Ready Player One is because you live in a world where everyone's obsessed with the 80s because this 80s lore is what this guy put clues to uh, in the Oasis. Yes, where you could win billions of dollars. Now, I will say this. Years later, listening to the audiobook with Will Wheaton, there were things that I kind of winced at that's just a little too geeky, like kind of embarrassed me a little, that was just too nerdy. Uh, There was, but I can understand, we've met Ernie Klein. We've seen him. He's a huge geek. Yeah. And yes, he wrote Ready Player One for himself. He's totally, he's making uh, nostalgia and the love of 80s the reason for being in this world. And it is funny when you look at it that way. 
there's one there's a development in the book that I think happens way too fast now. Uh everything about uh the world of the oasis, this VR world that you log into, in a couple of sentences he says, and slowly I started to see that maybe life inside this wasn't that great. Maybe the outside world. And it's like, yeah, but how did you get to this? It was almost like, it felt like to me after he finished the book, like, wait, I got to say some stuff about the real world. Like, you know, VR is really bad after a while. The real world is worth living. So let me go through here and add a couple of sentences. It felt like that to, to me. Now, as for the movie directed by Steven Spielberg, I'm really excited about it. Everything I've seen is exciting. I know for a fact that they've changed a lot of things in the book. For instance, the whole point of the book is uh, finding three keys to open three gates and winning the prize, which is the, the, the Easter egg, okay? And there you win the oasis. Now, in the book... There's a part where he literally finds uh, Halliday, finds Halliday's lair, and he plays like an Intellivision or an Atari, and he gets he's running around on the screen and he's playing Pitfall and stuff like that. It's like that in a movie is not going to be too exciting. They've right. got to make it more exciting than that. Right. And I can already tell just by watching the trailer that they've upped the ante and made it more exciting. Like. Maybe instead of him uh, trying to find the uh, the egg while there's a virtual battle going on, maybe people are chasing him in reality also, and they've got to get away or something. I can see they've upped the stakes. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. Well, they were they were being chased in reality in the book too. Yes, but it not in literal car chases though. No, no, no. Yeah, and that's what it looks like in the. Uh, Oh, cool. Ken, you and I are the same age. <laughs> That's funny. Um, but no, Ken, I totally understand. Here's the thing. Had I just read Ready Player One and I was excited and buzzing about the book and you were like, I hate the book. It's a horrible book. I probably would be like offended and I just wouldn't want to hear what you have to say. But it's been years and it doesn't bother me uh that you say that it, it really doesn't. I can totally understand where you're coming from. I remember Steve, when you read it, you were like, there's times where they, he way over explains stuff about games. And we talked about how that could be an editor somewhere going, well, no one's going to know what this is. You got to explain it. I can understand that too. Uh, here's the thing about King. King does that too. He over explains, yeah, he over describes, but, but you know, in this, he's right. he's explaining something about a cartoon in the 80s. That, and if you know about it, it can get monotonous. Like, yes, I know what you're talking about. Can you please move on or something? Uh, but Ready Player One is a huge, geeky, nerdy book for huge, geeky nerds who are into that. I'm not sure it's for everybody. But I think the movie... Looks like it will be fun for everybody. I really do. People who don't have hangups. I, I think it'll be a great movie. Alan Silvestri's doing the score. And of course it has references to a lot of things. That doesn't bother me as long as it's... Uh, to the story I've or just, whatever you want to call it. Sit back. Let the movie come to me. I'm excited about it. I just don't want to be too uh, excited and just uh, see what happens, you know? Will Wheaton's reading of Armada, I thought, was uh, even better. I honestly thought he does pronounce certain words very strangely, uh, I've noticed. And I was uh, thinking, like, 
is there a guy in a booth going, uh, yeah, can you read that word over again and say it correctly, you know, or something like that. But, uh, there's a voice he does for, um, the mighty great and powerful Og, Ogden, somebody Ogden Morrow, who is, uh, the main guy's best friend. And I think Simon Pegg plays him in the movie. Will, Will Wheaton's voice for him is so like monotone. I didn't think it was very good, but a lot of the other stuff he does is great. And Ken, I don't even want you to give me your opinion on dead ahead now, because I'm afraid you'll go. If you thought ready player one is bad, Jason's audiobook for dead ahead is horrible. <laughs> no scene. Isn't what so are you getting man? back to that? By the way, uh, I don't know, Stephen. Holy shit! Break the vein. <laughs> now we have one final voicemail. And by the way, I do want to see Annihilation. I think that'll be really cool. I saw it last week. Oh, you did see it. I did see it, sir. Well, Annihilation is my name. Winning is my game. That's what it was. <laughs> is the Iron Enforcer in that movie? Yes. Oh, thank you, Ken. He said, OF, Dead Ahead was expen- exponentially better than Ready Player One. <laughs> oh, best comment ever. Thanks, Ken. I'm even writing it, even though he can hear me. Uh, so what did you think of Annihilation? I liked, I mean, like you said. Annihilation is my name. Science. Winning is my game. With that, whatever. Super science-y? Yeah. Um, the- oh! I mean, just... I can see where it doesn't, I, I enjoyed that kind of a movie and I see it doesn't, I don't know if it would be widely uh, accepted with everybody, you know. You guys are really it's, smart it's about this science movie. stuff, but I know New York. It doesn't move along at a fast pace, but that doesn't mm-hmm. have to for me. It's just, is it kind of like, here's what I'm hoping it is, just extremely interesting. Like yes. you want to know that, what is going on That's here. a great way to say it. Um, I found it interesting. Cool. Um, kind of. Like, uh, if you, have you seen the Arrival? <clears throat> I have never seen Arrival. I know it's. I, I, I kind of put it along with Arrival, and it, it, it kind of has the same pacing. Okay, so you highly recommend it. I would recommend it if you it's want. a pseudoscience. <laughs> okay, cool. All right. Well, what do you say we uh, play the next voicemail? Directors Daily Goldstein and Steven, again. No, no, no. This no, isn't no. the time to read a review. Okay, Come Stephen. On, let me read a review. <laughs> All right. Our next voicemail. Here's a surprise of who it is. You ready to be surprised? Yes. Let's check it out. Hey, it is Rick from Australia. Hey. How you going, guys? Uh, it's been a while. Sorry, I've been busy and lazy. Uh, same old, same Holy old. Shit. Uh, so, yeah, you guys have been going for a hell of a long time, and I can't even remember where I was in my life when I first started listening because it's been so long and I can't remember good because my brain's broken. Uh, But I do remember the first time that I heard uh, my voicemail being played on the show and just like 
you know, smiling like an idiot at work. <laughs> and uh, it was just a fun time. I was like, hey, that's me on the show. Oh, and that was. Yeah, I was a fan before then, and I've been a fan ever since. But uh, just keep doing the show. Just keep doing it forever. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't think you're allowed to stop. It's just laws, laws of nature now. But thank you for so much entertainment over the years, and I really hope you, you just keep going. Because you also you do need to uh, get on with the uh, Chuck series companion, because that's great. I love listening to that. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you. It's very well done. Very, very well done. So This is Rick from Australia. Just chucking in a quick little voicemail. Say, I love you guys, and... Uh, and all that positive energy sent you away. All right. On with the show. Kisses. Oh, I don't want you to go yet, Rick. Oh, I love you, Rick. It was so nice to hear from him. Yeah, he posted something, and I said, we need a, we need a, a, a voicemail from you, Rick. Nice. Brain broken! Oh, I'm sad to hear his brain's broken, but uh, <laughs> we miss you, Rick. That was so great to hear from you. I mean, when I heard that voicemail, when I was like, oh, it's Rick, I was literally like, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, wow, I can't believe it. No, for God never say I'm so glad. Miss that voice. Yes, I do. It's, it's great to hear from you, Rick, and also Adam and Ken. Now, what do you say we get to some news, Stephen? Yes, please. I need a, a news theme. Do I have something? You probably do. I have the short version. Oh, here we go. This just doesn't seem right. This is Bill's music, right? Yeah. When I read this news story I'm about to do, I literally did say this. Holy shit! I, I really did. And... I still don't understand it. I think maybe the people at Netflix are doing lines of Coke or something. I don't know what's going on, Stephen. They've but made way too much money off of the things they've done so far, and they're just It doesn't money out. make any sense to me. When I think of comic book creators and quality comic book creators, the last person I think of is Rob Liefeld. Am I right? Right. Rob Liefeld, Liefeld, whatever. Well, the, you love Newman. The dude, I never trust people without, uh, hello, Newman. God, that's such a weird reference that nobody will get. <laughs> but uh, he did a comic called Newman. <laughs> but uh, I don't trust anyone without sideburns, Stephen. It's just weird. <laughs> when you cut your hair where there's no sideburns, don't trust you, okay? Okay, here is what I'm talking about, everyone. I've teased it enough. Deadpool's Rob Liefeld takes his extreme universe, God, that gives me pain reading it, to Netflix in splashy deal. That's right, exclusive. Netflix has bet big on the extreme universe. I can't even read the, the straight face <laughs> of graphic novel characters hatched by Rob Liefeld. Yes, he laid them in eggs whose disruptive Deadpool creation was the blockbuster movie surprise of 2016, which is from when he worked at Marvel. So he, he does not own Deadpool, by the way. 
Netflix has made a seven-figure rights deal, and Akiva Goldsman will set up and oversee a high-end writer's room, similar to ones he has run for the Ology series. Wait, Akiva Goldsman? That's another... That's not good. Uh, Just ask (laughs) Bill about Akiva Goldsman. And the transform... Okay, similar to the ones he's run for the O... I want to say Oology, but it's Ology. And the Transformers spinoffs to generate a series of feature films with connective tissue. Anchored by Liefeld's comic book creation. Uh, Goldsman Liefeld and Brooklyn Weaver will be the producer. Okay. Uh, The marriage between the Extreme Universe and Goldsman came out of an earlier deal for Liefeld's Evangeline. Oh my. Okay. First of all, I just want to say this about Rob Liefeld's creations. They're all derivative of shit from Marvel and DC. He just puts in a, I remember, remember the comic book preacher, right? Uh, he created a comic book called priest. That's literally how blatant he is. He, there's the fantastic four. He had a comic book called dooms Four about four people who go into space, who get power. He, it's literally the same idea. He just gives them different names. There was even a rock dude that he blatantly just steals shit. Okay. Now here's the thing about the new men are the X-Men. Right. Okay. He got, okay. Young blood. That's the Avengers, his team. By the way, they don't get young blood, uh, in this deal. All of their, uh, maybe I'll get to that, but I'm so like, okay, I'm just so flabbergasted by this, but anyway, okay. The marriage between ex- the extreme universe and Goldsman came out of an earlier deal, which he de- is developing. He's de- developing Evangeline at Paramount. The new deal gives Netflix a shot at a branded series of films. The Extreme Universe covers six comic books, encompassing more than 50 characters. That include Brigade, I remember them, Bloodstrike, Cybrid, Rejects, Bloodwolf, and Kaboom. <laughs> and an earlier deal had been struck involving producer Graham King and fundamental films, but that did not work out. And Netflix stepped up with a checkbook, Stephen. The extreme universe characters are written very much in the subversive edgy style that defined Deadpool. The Fox film became the highest grossing art. Okay. Do you see what they're doing here? Oh, he did Deadpool. That made money. Let's get his other properties. Let's get Rejects. Let's get Cybrid. Let's get Kaboom. Let's get Blood Wolf. Let's get Bloodstrike. Who has heard of any of these, Steven? Oh, my God. I mean, I can't believe Holy this. hardcore Liefeld fans. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's, uh, I... Uh, LaField says that Netflix has become a part of everyday existence for me and my children. Their programming is the most dynamic and diverse I have seen. I am beyond thrilled and inspired to be bringing my extreme catalog to life (laughs) with the creative wizards at Netflix. What Akiva Goldsman has achieved with his craft and storytelling across all mediums, for instance, like the Dark Tower movie, in our industry is of absolute benefit for my extreme characters. It's so ridiculous that it's called extreme. He is an absolute comic book fanatic and working with him on adapting the extreme universe has been electric. 
His stellar work on Star Trek Discovery has wowed the fandom, and trust me when I say that the Teen Titans show he is producing is going to blow fans away. I cannot wait to show the world what we have in store. Wow. Holy shit! <laughs> I... I don't understand, Stephen. I don't remember who who was it that who made the comment earlier. It's like, well, they'll save a fortune in shoes. Yeah, it was Swiley. Swiley. Wow. <laughs> I just, I I I'm speechless. I I don't I don't understand, Stephen. Do you have anything to say about this, Stephen? Break some veins. What was it? We bought one episode of Newman to tease each other with, or something. Well, I. Yeah, I own issues of Youngblood. I own some Rob Liefeld comics. I own that issue of Captain America. (laughs) Is that the one with the the giant chest? chest I own that issue. In fact, recently, the Sam and Max thing, when you told me about that, Uh I started going through my comic books and I was like, holy shit, I have all these comic books that I forgot about. And I have a lot of. of Rob Liefeld comics. And here's the thing about Rob Liefeld. It was fuel for me when I wanted to be a comic book artist. Because oh, yeah, yeah, I was yeah. like, if this shitty guy, this, he Awful sucks. <laughs> can he, if he can do this, I can do it. And I, I, it's been like, back when I started podcasting, I would listen to shitty podcasts going, I can do better than this. Now, people, if, if you don't know who I'm talking about, Rob Liefeld, maybe you'll remember this. So how long have you been drawing comic books? Since I was about seven years old, little kid. What did your parents think about it? They hated it. They hated it. Oh, yeah. After I, I got a job and they saw that you can make a living out of third day, you'll hear no complaints anymore. And you created X-Force? Mm-hmm. So what is the drawing of? This is the Spike Man. And what's this right here? This is the camera on top of your head that will record the wrongdoings of others. So Rob, have you had any formal art training? No. Just uh, a lot of imagination, I think. Wait, so, so I say it and then look down? Or just open it and say it? Fly button? So that was Rob Liefeld on a 501, Levi's 501 commercial with Spike Lee. Do you remember that? I don't remember that. I do. That was crazy. Oh, my God. Here's the thing. He's, everything he does is so derivative. I just don't get it. But anyway, hey, good for you, Rob. I can't wait to watch the Blood Wolf series (laughs) or Rejects or what was the other one called? Um, Uh... I don't remember. Brigade. Brigade. Brigade, I remember that was kind of like, there was, Youngblood was the Avengers. Brigade was kind of like the West Coast Avengers kind of a thing. Okay, now, I want to talk about Ready Player One again. Here's the story. Ready Player One, at least Warner Brothers, put out, and oh shit, I messed my new story up. Okay, here we go. I got it back. Uh, they released some movie posters. They did a Ready Player One Blade Runner. They did a labyrinth. They did bullet. They did the matrix. Did you see any of those? No. And people went ape shit. They were like, Oh my God, what is this? I read your little thing about it. And people oh, were freaking pe- out. Yeah. Uh, this is from Yahoo. And the article is, wow, people really hate the new ready player one posters. And I was reading it, uh, people's comments on Twitter. And I was like, wow, I can't believe the hatred of this. I don't get it. 
Ready Player One, directed by Steven Spielberg from the Ernest Cline novel, is opening in theaters March 29th, which is 20 days from now, Stephen. A lot of people already don't like it for varying reasons, some based on the book, some not. It seems cool to not like it, or at least to not like new, the new posters. That became clear to anyone checking out Twitter on Tuesday after the new posters started making the rounds. You can check out all the posters at Slash Film. They pay homage to nostalgia movies like Back to the Future, The Iron Giant, Rambo, The Breakfast Club, The Lost Boys, Beetlejuice, Blade Runner, The Goonies, Risky Business, and more. Ready Player One digital characters are inserted in the posters, as you can see from the examples. Some fans and Slash Film, among other outlets, like the posters, but the movie title got itself trending on Tuesday because of all the non-fans roasting the hell out of it. One person said, These Ready Player One posters are a form of assault. I'm pressing charges. Another person said, This pretty much sums up this whole Ready Player One poster situation. And uh, that's not a good example. (laughs) (laughs) One guy named Bob commented, We deserve to die as a species. We are so weak. People getting this upset over posters about a movie that banks heavily on nostalgia. Wait for it. It uses nostalgic posters. Another guy says, Have these people ever read the book? The entire story is about taking things from the past. The people complaining about these posters are going to be the same ones who complain that the movie doesn't follow the book line for line. The movie is going to be... uh, He broke up his sentence there. Wow, people really hate posters. Let me then proceed to produce only two tweets from random nobodies. Like, I care what two random people think. Exactly, Stephen. I don't know who any of these people are, nor do I care. But uh, like I said before, I'm excited for Ready Player One. What did you think of the posters? I think they don't look good. I think that. I think that when you make a decision like that, like a studio, like, hey, let's put these out. I wonder if the person doing it is like, a lot of people are going to hate these. Do you remember when the Ready Player Aren't One just, trailer... Were they just kind of like mock-ups, too? They weren't fully vi- realized it was posters. Just a, it was just a thing to release to people yeah. to see. It almost gives you an idea. Like, For instance, one of the posters said something interesting, and I wondered if it was a clue to uh, the movie and stuff they've changed. Let me see if I can find the post uh, where I talked about it. And, um, let me see what it was. Oh, it was the Rambo one. It says he was on a mission, run three races, win three keys, unlock a better reality. And I was like, wait, run three races. Does that mean the races are going to be, instead of hunting the, looking for the keys, they're going to do races in the game, in the movie. All speed racer. Yeah. Or... And I started thinking about that, like. That is, yeah, like Speed Racer or something. And I was like, that's weird. Maybe that explains why they do the bullet poster, you know, the Steve McQueen movie. But I know, uh, you know, in the original bullet, but in this one, you see that it's the DeLorean. So I don't know. I don't know. I'm excited about the movie. I don't know what they're going to do, but that's a little clue there. The reason they're showing these is because. The whole point, if you haven't read the book, the idea is the world, everybody lives in this massively 
multiplayer online RPG VR world. So instead of me looking like Jason, my character might look like Batman and yours might look like Aquaman. And that's how we look to the world. (laughs) You wouldn't be Aquaman. No. But, you know, it might be something like that. Holy shit. Yeah, I know. It's exciting. So I can't wait to see the movie. You're Aquaman. There's no water here. What are you doing? You're just walking, I guess. Uh, no. Directors dating Goldstein. Uh, Steven, no, no, no. Not yet. Not yet. Okay, so uh, here's my next story. Wonder Woman 2 will feature Kristen Wiig as the villain Cheetah. How cool is that? Saturday Night Live alum Kristen Wiig will play the role of Cheetah in Warner Brothers. Wait, I just said that. As of <laughs> as one of Wonder Woman's oldest foes, Cheetah has almost as many incarnations and retoolings as the heroine herself. In her original incarnation, crafted by Wonder Woman creator William Moulton Marston, she had no superpowers, just a burning jealousy of Wonder Woman and a spotted cat costume. But in her modern incarnation, Cheetah has been molded into something of a funhouse mirror of Wonder Woman's drive and origins. She is also a woman who is endowed with godly power. But where Diana derives her power from gods who she loves and respects, Cheetah sought the power for more selfish reasons. And her godly patrons are anything but reciprocal to her devotion. Whoa. Holy shit! Yeah, yeah, I know. Barbara Ann Minerva is an archaeologist who has dedicated her life to seeking out the divine in what most people consider to be legends. In the most recent retelling of Wonder Woman's origin... Minerva was greatly motivated by meeting and working with Diana. The revelation that the Mascara and the Amazons were truly real drove her to seek out other evidence of ancient gods. Eventually, she found it in the form of the fictional god Urzkartaga, who transformed her body and endowed her with powers, great strength, razor claws, and teeth, a predator's hunting sense, and superhuman speed at a heavy price. Uncontrollable bloodlust and cannibalistic urges. Awesome! Unable to escape Urs Cartaga's blessing, <laughs> Sheena often twists her own self-loathing and shame into a hatred of Wonder Woman, blaming her for igniting her quest for the divine and for not saving her from herself. In the hands of a good writer, she's like some of the most compelling and famous Batman villains. Dangerous and tragic in equal measure. Kristen Wiig might not be the first name you think of to play such a character, but she hasn't flinched away from the dramatic, with parts in Mother and The Martian. A Wonder Woman sequel would be her first role in a major superhero movie, unless you count Ghostbusters, in in which we don't. Patty Jenkins is confirmed to return as director for Wonder Woman 2. I don't know why you threw that in there. We already knew that, so shut up. <laughs> right, Steven? Yeah. Holy shit! Okay, sorry, sorry. Okay, here's some other exciting news, Steven. Iron Man's John Favreau will write the upcoming Star Wars live-action series. What? This is for Disney's forthcoming streaming service. Iron Man and Iron Man 2 director Jon Favreau has been tapped to write and produce an upcoming live-action Star Wars show. Didn't I just read that, Steven? Sounds like uh, deja vu to me. 
Deja Vu All Over Again? Yes. In November, Disney announced two projects, a new trilogy of films written by The Last Jedi director Ryan Johnson, which everyone's happy about, and a live-action show for the company's upcoming streaming service, which is expected to launch sometime next year. Disney also announced last month that Game of Thrones showrunners Dave Benioff and D.B. Weiss are developing their own series of films. And I don't know if you knew this, Stephen, but those are the guys who did Game of Thrones. Yeah, you did know that because I just said that. In addition to a Star Wars show, Disney has also said that the streaming service will have other original content from its various holdings, including a live-action Marvel show. What? That's exciting. Holy shit. I know. Marky Post got some milk on her. <laughs> Favreau is no stranger to Disney. He directed the live action version of The Jungle Book in 2016 and is presently filming a live action version of The Lion King, which is slated to be released in 2019. He, by the way, I thought The Jungle Book was solid. I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. Favreau has been involved with the Star Wars franchise as a voice actor, voicing Pre Vizsla in the Clone Wars animated series, and he was great in that as that voice. I liked the Pre Vizsla. He was like this Mandalorian, like, you know, Boba Fett armor, but he's a real dick. But he was pretty cool. It was pretty cool that uh, he was a villain, you know. And he also plays an alien in Solo, a Star Wars story. Lucasfilm president Kathleen Kennedy says. This series will allow John the chance to work with a diverse group of writers and directors and give Lucasfilm the opportunity to build a robust talent base. My first hire will be Jason and Steven. Oh my God. What? Oh, I'm so excited. The company did not announce any further details about Favreau's series nor release date because they haven't created anything yet. A live action show set in the Star Wars universe has been a long time simmering for Lucasfilm. You better get that off the stove, Stephen. No, I like it to simmer for a while. Oh, okay. While the company has set up two enormously successful animated shows, The Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels, which just finished its run, Stephen, and I, have, I need to catch up on it, but I'm going to get emotional, man. Uh, George Lucas said in 2005 that he was working... Oh, 2005, you're going back that far? That's the first year of our show. <laughs> that's a long time ago. Anyway, that's enough of the story. What do you think about that, John Favreau doing that? Sure. I like John Favreau. No, for God never say Yeah, I, I think that too. I mean, he did the first Iron Man. How excited were you when you first heard it, though? What, did you shit yourself or something? <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> well, that's when I read the article about the fish guy. The fish guy? <laughs> oh, I know. You're talking about that article that I posted yes. about the uh, uh, Doug Jones had to Doug poop Jones. before getting into his fishman costume for The Shape of Water. Yeah, that was a little much. My, uh, did you see, I said, I can picture this writer fretting over a looming deadline. Jeez, the chief says I need to step it up. I haven't delivered anything clickbaity and ridiculous lately. I've just got nothing. But there was this Doug Jones interview where he said he was stuck in a fishman costume for 16 to 17 hours a day. Wait, I know. And then the headline is. Doug Jones had to poop before getting into his fishman costume for the shape of water. <laughs> it's just so ridiculous. You could say that about anyone who wears a costume for a movie, you know? Zachary Levi, he's playing Shazam right now. I guarantee it's not easy to go to the bathroom in that thing, you know? Stupid story. Okay, Stephen, finally, our final story. 
a teaser trailer for Disney's Christopher Robin starring Ewan McGregor. That's right. Disney has unveiled the teaser trailer for their new take on Winnie the Pooh, titled simply Christopher Robin. From director Mark Forrester, Ewan McGregor stars in this as a working class family man in London. He re-encounters his childhood friend Pooh, who helps him to rediscover the joys of life. The main character cast includes Haley Atwell. Come on, you know, that's Peggy Carter. Mark Gaddis. Wait, isn't that, um, that's a guy from uh, Sherlock, right? Adrian Scarborough, Roger Ashton Griffiths, Paul Chahidi. For the voices, Jim Cubbings as Winnie the Pooh. Oh, when you hear that Pooh voice, your heart will melt, Stephen. Chris O'Dowd as Tigger. Toby Jones as Owl. Pete Capaldi as Rabbit. Sophie Okanito as Kanga. And Nick Mohammed as Piglet. This teaser only introduces us to Pooh with more characters to come. This comparison is going to upset a few of you, but this kind of reminds me of Hook. A grumpy guy revisits his past to, to rediscover happiness again. Yeah, whatever. It's nothing like Hook. All right, let's check it out, Stephen. We've called an emergency meeting this weekend. I promised my wife and daughter I'd take them away this weekend, sir. We need to cut 20%. You'll promise these people good jobs. I thought you'd do anything for this company. Well, have a good time. From the studio that brought you... Beauty and the Beast... What to do? What to do indeed? Pooh? Christopher Robin! A crack? Oh, I don't see any cracks. A few wrinkles, maybe. Aww, it's Winnie the Pooh, Steve! That looks so cute! Come on, did your heart melt at that, Steven? Winnie the Pooh. You love Winnie the Pooh? I, I had a Pooh bear. Aw, oh, Steven, I bet that got you right in the heart. <laughs> did that pull on your heartstrings? A bit. Holy shit! <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Break some veins! Okay, enough of that. Okay, Steven, what do you say we get into... Oh, wait, wait, wait. Actually, no. We have something new. Let's check it out. A new thing on the show, Stephen, we're unveiling right now before Rotten Tomatoes. Here it is. It's time for playing games with Stephen, the pop culture zealot. A game where we check to see if Stephen's microphone is working or if he's even still awake. Let's challenge him to some <laughs> zany stuff. So what do you say, everybody? Let's challenge Stephen to some trivia and other crazy shit. Yes, crazy shit. <laughs> Oh, the music is an idiot, Stephen. <laughs> All right, I'm excited. Woo! Could probably add some applause in this part. Yay! All right, Stephen. Uh, I had this idea that we should play a game every week on the show. <laughs> okay. Before Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> now, here's the thing. I haven't really... Th- 
come up with anything. I need people, <laughs> listeners to contribute, come up with games for me to give Steven, basically. So if you guys want to suggest games, Uh-oh. do it on our Nora Mulberry fan club, Entertainment Landfill fan club, Jesus. Uh, also, you could uh, <laughs> send me ideas for games on nimpodcast at gmail.com. You can even create a game for me to do this. Now, my first game involves sound drops, Steven. And uh, it's uh, it's going to be pretty interesting. Uh, I don't know how this will go. Say, for instance, like last week, do you remember uh, the Top Chef thing? We did it. They did it. They talked all about testicles. Now, I would do something like, say, in our drop folder, type in the word testicles. And you would have to guess without looking. Stephen, how many... Drops do we have in our drop folder with the with the word testicles? You would uh, just throw a guess there. I'm gonna s- I, just throw it out there. Twelve. Okay, that's a pretty good guess. Uh, we don't have that many. We have five, which is shocking. <laughs> now, if you were to say balls, how I, many? I, I kind of was going with that, thinking balls, testicles, same thing. Can you think of even one testicles drop, like through the history of the show, one you've heard? Don't say Franks and Beans, Steven. <laughs> like, do you remember this? Only if I can rub your testicles. No. Let's do that again. You said 12, right? Yes. See, I wrote testicles. I should have wrote testicle because now there's eight. Okay? okay. So you know at least one of these. Come on, think of it. We always play it whenever Bill does a story about testicles or balls or something like that. This always plays. One of my testicles has enlarged. Eric, Eric Estrada. <laughs> yes. Okay. What is this? Testicles, brains, intestines. Okay. You lose a testicle. All right, Stephen. Now let's let's check out uh, balls. I want you to. How many drops with balls do you think we have? Um. Just throw it out. Seven. There. We have thirty-four. <laughs> Listen, you know your balls in a sling. You got that? Wow, wow! There's a lot of balls drops. Holy balls! Yep, there's a lot. Um, I am tough as balls. Mm. Don't go busting my balls, Billy. Okay. What's this? Wait, what? Is, I don't even recognize this one. Let's see this one. Hairy oh, balls. I know what these hairy are balls. These? And they're <laughs> called hairy balls. Oh, see? stop it! Hairy balls. Uh-huh. Hairy Come balls. Man, my balls are shaved, my pubes are trimmed, I'm ready to fucking rock this shit. Only <laughs> <laughs> I want his balls. Oh my god. I love you balls. Wow, there's a lot of balls dropped, Steven. <laughs> a lot. It's ridiculous. A little obsessed with the balls. Here. Cock. Balls. <laughs> You're scanning my balls. <laughs> Holy all right, let's come up with another one. How about um, how many son of a bitch drops do you think we have? Sixteen. Wow, that was really close. We have fifteen. <laughs> that was pretty good. Now I'm going to try to play one that you remember. Uh, okay, this is good. Can you identify this drop? Son of a bitch. <laughs> play it again. Okay, you want to hear that again? Son of a bitch! I'm not getting it, no. That's Dean Kane on Smallville. Now, you'll definitely get this one. I, I think you will. Son of a bitch! 
Right. That's pretty. One more. Son of a bitch. No. Sawyer from Lost. <laughs> I'm trying to think of any of these other ones. What about? Son of a bitch. That's pretty easy. That's just Costanza. That's John Stewart. <laughs> oh. Son of a bitch. <laughs> You son of a bitch! <laughs> Did you recognize that one? No. Okay, here. Okay, now I'm gonna go real nuts, Stephen. Okay, here we go. How many Colonel Ty from Battlestar Galactica dro- <laughs> drops do we have? Oh, twenty-three. Eleven. <laughs> but we have uh, you, son of a bitch. But my favorite Colonel tie drops were this. <laughs> Do you remember this? <laughs> and of course, shut your fucking mouth. Mhm. Okay. Now, if I were to type in, oh, okay. Let me think. Uh, how many <laughs> drops do we have with the word dick? <laughs> uh, I would say. Probably well over 50. A dick move. We have 54. Hey, you're getting... That's pretty good, Steven. Come up in here, piss on my dick, tell me it's raining. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Yes, it's true. This man has no dick. I got a little dick. It's pathetic. (laughs) You're a dick. Wow, that's... Paul's a... All right, he was a... In season nine, and he's still a... You came to hear it in that one. Yes, yes, yes. But also, uh, that was evil dick. That doesn't count. Oh. <laughs> it's labeled dick. Do you remember the one where it's just uh, dick? Yes, there we go. Uh, this game isn't really good, Stephen, because I'm. Uh, I don't, I'm no good at remembering all the little drops. Yeah, like for- I would totally lose against Adam. That's for sure. Oh yeah. Well, Adam's the king of the ro- the drops. I'm trying to think of a good uh, good one to go with. Okay, no, I just thought of one. How many drops do we have with the word sausage? Oh, twenty-eight. Yeah, the sausage. We have six. <laughs> so we have the one. Yes. Sausage. Yes, I love sausages. Well, Stephen, this was our first edition of Play Games with Stephen. <laughs> and as I said, guys, you have ideas of games that I can play with Stephen. Send them to me. And we're going to, this is going to be a new segment on the show. What do you think, Stephen? I mean, I wish it wasn't such a sausage fest. Uh, yeah, me too. But uh, still. Well, I'm in. <laughs> still, it's good times. Holy shit! Shh! Now, Stephen, what do you say we get into, um, hmm, um, what is it called? Do you remember what it is we do, Stephen? Um, something rotten. <laughs> something rotten. Oh, I remember what it is. Comes. Is it Let's Read Rotten Tomatoes? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I say either, you say neither, and I say neither, either, either, and either, neither, and let's call the whole thing off. Yes, you like potato, and I like potato. 
You like tomato, I like tomato, potato, potato, tomato, tomato. Let's call the whole thing off. I like spelled tomato juice. Ah, yes, it does. All right, Stephen, let's read Rotten Tomatoes. Director's David no, 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 Goldstein. Steven. No, 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 no. I already you're, read that. You're jumping ahead. <laughs> let's check out some reviews. Uh, last week, uh, do you remember what I read last week? Oh, you know what? I wanted to go back on Peter Rabbit. Did you see that Peter Rabbit article I posted where people were mad? Yes. It was 60% fresh, uh, 49 candidate fresh, 33 rotten. I thought it looked horrible mainly because uh, that uh, that James Corden is in it. Yeah. Ugh. Rebecca Mead of The New Yorker said, The movie remains an object lesson in how to not adapt a beloved volume to the screen. Susan, oh no, this lady's name always gets me. Wolozhina of Robert Robert <laughs> RogerEbert.com. <laughs> Easy chuckles are no substitute for genuine charm. I'm just glad that Corden don't didn't insist on doing Rabbit Burrow karaoke. <laughs> I get it because he does the car karaoke thing. Two out of four. Adam Graham says there are good laughs along the way, but they're clobbered to death by Gluck's insistence that you acknowledge them C+. C+, is a passing grade, isn't it? Why is that uh, green? I don't know. Katie Walsh of Tribune News Service says, The gentle spirit of Beatrix Potter's books is subsumed into a chaotic, violent mayhem, maniacally soundtracked to the day's hits. Oh, that sounds terrible. Linda Cook says... Peter Rabbit is shrill and surprisingly violent from the atmosphere of the beloved Beatrix Potter books. Now, I want to go back and find that story because it was funny. Adam from the Bay Area said, hey, I took my daughter to go see uh, Peter Rabbit and it was pretty good. And I went, I heard it sucked. (laughs) And it's bad, Stephen, because these rabbits assault the guy in it. Okay. Sony apologizes, Stephen. I'm back to reading news stories. Let me uh, let the story load. Sony apologizes after Peter Rabbit movie exploits a food allergy, upsetting parents. Can you believe this shit? Tom McGregor, a villain who has food allergies, goes into anaphylactic shock when rabbits fire a blackberry into his mouth. Some parents said it sets a poor example. Now, they have... A good point. Little kids are very subjective. Like you could show them something like making fun of a person with an allergy. It's not really funny. It's deadly. Like for instance, in school, there's kids who sit in the allergy section. The no peanuts. There are. Yeah, they uh, have. I had no clue. They have the peanut table at schools because people can die from eating peanuts. You know, their throats close up and they can't breathe and they die and you have to have a, the EpiPen. have that when I was in school. Yeah. That's why so many kids died when you're in school, Stephen. I'm Uh, surprised there were many of us that graduated. Yeah. Not many survived. (laughs) Holy shit. Yeah, I know, but (laughs) five in my class, we all live, but this is a movie for kids. And they had a part where those rabbits, these asshole rabbits are firing blackberries into a guy who's allergic and it's supposed to be funny. He even, they said in the movie, he even can't breathe. He's grabbing his throat and he has to run and get an EpiPen and stab it into his leg just in time before he dies. And little kids are like, 
<laughs> Let's do that to Billy. He's allergic. Bad. Bad, Steven. Don't peanuts in his throat. Now, Steven, did you see the commercial to a movie called Hurricane Heist? I have seen this. It doesn't look good. <clears throat> it's starring Maggie Grace, Toby Kebble, Ryan Quantin. That's Jason from uh, True, Blood. True Blood. I love True Blood. Uh, that guy, he's so good in that show. I might be paraphrasing a little. <laughs> Parrot phrasing. I love that. Now, Hurricane Heist is 29% rotten. 14 reviews counted, 4 fresh, 10 rotten. Wow, not many people watched this, did they? <laughs> okay, let's read the plot of this movie. Under the threat of a hurricane, opportunistic criminals infiltrate a U.S. Mint facility to steal $600 million for the ultimate heist. When the hurricane blows up into a lethal Category 5 storm and their well-made plans go awry, they find themselves needing a vault code known only by one Treasury agent, Maggie Grace. A need that turns murderous, but the Treasury agent has picked up an unlikely alloy. Alloy, an alloy. ally, <laughs> a, metals. Yes. a meteorologist played by Toby Kebbell. Terrified of hurricanes, but determined to save his estranged brother, kidnapped by thieves, he uses his knowledge of storms as a weapon to win. Oh, this sounds ridiculous! His knowledge of storms? And this thriller ride charged with adrenaline, directed by Rob Cohen, who I believe did Fast and the Furious. Now, wow, let's read our first review of this movie. Directors dating Goldstein and a game cast. In, uh, intermittently keep this film aloft. <laughs> McAdams' nutsy enthusiasm and Clemens' creepy obsessiveness, particularly on target. But Mark Perez's labored script creates a drag that ultimately overtakes their effort. <laughs> <laughs> good, good stuff, Steven. I really like that. Holy shit! All right, Steven. Michael Jingold of Time Out says, This one's just blowing through theaters on its way to streaming services. <laughs> Not even. He's pretty uh, proud of himself, yeah. isn't he? Andrew Barker of Variety says, If our divided country can't come together over a movie this wonderfully terrible, what hope do we really have? Wow, it's deep. Alonzo Duraldi of The Rap says, A laughable caper wherein the good guys continually manage to thwart the bad guys through skillful manipulation of a Category 5 hurricane. <laughs> Peter Sobzinski of RogerEbert.com says, One of the dumbest variations of the weather-based action thriller subgenre that I have ever seen. One out of four. I just remembered that Christian Slater movie. What is that hard rain, hard rain yeah. where they're robbing the bank or the like they're stealing gold or something so during a hurricane? No, not a hurricane. It's a flood. It's a flood, yeah. The whole town is flooded and Morgan Freeman's in it. Uh, uh, Randy Quaid is in it. Oh, my God. This sounds like that movie, doesn't it? Pretty close. I didn't know there's a action thriller subgenre that was weather-based. Did you? <laughs> what, you got shit in your ears? Come on. Oh, sorry. But you know what? There aren't all bad reviews, Stephen. Like I said, 14 people watched this. Four people liked it. One of those four people is Courtney Howard of Fresh Fiction. She says, 
Rob Cohen's riotous action or spectacularly delivers on the promise of satisfying popcorn movie moments. Hey, she just sold me. Nick Shaker of the Daily Bee says, Like Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, the Hurricane Heist is two great cinematic tastes that taste great together. Rob Cohen's films ably lives up to its preposterous premise. Chris Bumbray of Joe Blow says, If the words hurricane and heist translate into words must and see, then this movie is for you. 7 out of 10. 7 out of 10? We gotta see it now. Steven, back in the day when you and I would go to Blockbuster after work on a Friday, we would have rented Hurricane Heist, wouldn't oh, we? Oh, we definitely would have. Hurricane Heist... I mean, the only thing it's missing is, is Alfonso Rivero. <laughs> yes. And okay. Glenn Howard. Fred Topol of Monsters and Critics says, We need movies where bad guys try to rob the treasury in the middle of a hurricane as much as we need somber treatises on the save of the world. Wow. Where's the cricket noises? <laughs> Roger Moore of Movie Nation says, An utter excrement storm from start to finish with zero laughs, intentional or unintentional, to boot. One out of four. I'm retiring. I'm no longer reviewing movies. Oh, my God. Why I've would he... I've lost my faith in humanity. I know. I want to see that. Now, There's. A, I keep seeing advertisements for this movie called Gringo. It's starring Charlize Theron, David O'Yellow-O, Joel Edgerton. It's got Amanda Seyfried in it, Charlotte O'Compley, Tandy Newton. It's directed by Nash Edgerton. I have no idea what this movie's about, but let's check it out. Combining dark comedy with dramatic intrigue, Gringo joyrides across the border into Mexico, where all is not as it seems for mild-mannered American businessman, businessman played by David O. Yellow O. Crossing the line from citizen to criminal, Harold tangles with duplicitous business partners, Mexican drug lords, international mercenaries, and the DEA, as he attempts to survive in one of the most dangerous places on Earth. The question lingers, is this ordinary man in way over his head, or is he two steps ahead? Hmm. Currently, this is 36% rotten. 27 fresh. Yeah, I saw the trailer for it. It looked like two... People, uh, Charlize Theron and her... Joel Edgerton. ...were, were uh, created a drug recipe, and they were sending it with this guy down to Mexico, and he gets kidnapped. Mm. Well, James Barrera Donelli, James Barrera Donelli, Stephen, he didn't like it. I left the theater vaguely annoyed, as if the filmmakers had thrown away some promising ideas and elements in weaving together a thoroughly generic chase movie and pretending it's something special by employing ineffective stylistic choices. But let's see what Richard Roper thought of it, Stephen. He probably liked it. Director Na- oh, wait, that's- <laughs> Director Nash Edgerton and Screen... Wait, is that Joel Edgerton's brother? Director Nash Edgerton and screenwriters... <laughs> who was that who just said that? <laughs> Anthony Timbakis and Matthew Stone do a fine job of juggling the multiple storylines, moving things along in an entertaining clip. I give it three out of four. I do not pass go, but I do collect $200 in your face. Oh, okay. He doesn't have to be a jerk about it, does he? I mean, wow. Maybe he does. What, did you shit yourself or something? All right. Now, finally, A Wrinkle in Time came out, Stephen. Have you ever read the book? Did no. you read it when you were a kid? Uh-uh. Uh, that is 
Um, currently 42% rotten. Uh, fresh 67, 93 rotten. Uh, Meg Murray is a typical middle school student struggling with issues of self-worth who is desperate to fit in. As the daughter of two world-renowned physicists, she is intelligent and uniquely gifted, as is Meg's younger brother, Charles. But she has yet to realize it for herself. Making matters worse is the baffling disappearance of Mr. Murray, which torments Meg and has left her mother heartbroken. Charles Wallace introduces Meg and her fellow classmate, Calvin, to three celestial guides, Mrs. Witch, Mrs. What's-It, and Mrs. Who, who have journeyed to Earth to help search for their father, and together they set off on their formidable quest, traveling via a wrinkling of time and space known as Tessering. They are soon transported to worlds beyond their imagination, where they must confront a powerful evil. To make it back home, Meg must look deep within herself and embrace her flaws to harness the strength necessary to defeat the darkness closing in on them. All right, uh, this has Oprah Winfrey, Reese Witherspoon, Mindy Kaling, Zach Galifianakis, Chris Pine, and a bunch of little kids. All right, well, let's see. Joshua Rothkopf of Time Out. Wait, Joshua Rothkopf. Rothkopf. He liked it. He said, no Hollywood film can ever solve the central problem of adapting this book and that it inevitably does too much of the imagining for you. DuVernay makes a big-hearted go of it. Even if she seems slightly dazzled by her own magical mystery to her, I give it a three out of five. <laughs> All right, what a nerd. David Ehrlich of IndieWire says, perhaps this movie is so striking because it's such a wonky and self-possessed experience. Too much of its own thing to feel like it was tailor-made for anyone, but the people who need it most. C+. Didn't we see a C-plus earlier count as rotten? Yes. <laughs> I'm always so confused. Bruce Damara of the Toronto Star says, The plotting is a bit clunky at times, but it doesn't detract from the emotional resonance that shines throughout. I give this a three out of four. Rotten. No, it's a fresh. Oh, they got it right. <laughs> Sandy Angulo Chen says, Inclusive but imperfect take on a classic story of hope and love. Three out of five. Frederick and Marianne, it took two people to write this, Stephen. A science fiction fantasy about a girl's quest to discover her own power by embracing her faults and expressing her love. 3.5 out of 5. Now, Luke Herefield of We Got This Covered says, A Wrinkle in Time comes off as a disjointed and miscalculated project rather than a visual and contemplative journey. I give it a 5 out of 10. Adam Graham says, A Wrinkle in Time is a rather unruly mess, and when you untangle it, all you wind up with is a ball of nothing. <laughs> I'm so proud of myself, C-. Well. Now, Stephen. Directors David no, Goldstein oh, and a game on, you already cat. read this. <laughs> um, Stephen, I don't, I, um. Don't know if I want to see that, but I do know this. Strangers Pray at Night has come out. Did you see the original Strangers? Where the creepy people with masks? No. With uh, Liv Tyler? You never saw that? Uh-uh. Well, sequels come out, Steven, so get extra excited. It is 37% rotten. 17 fresh, 29 rotten. Uh, it stars Bailey Madison, Emma Bellamy, Martin Henderson, Lewis Pullman. Come on. Aren't you excited? Every one of those are golden actors. <laughs> and Christina Hendricks is in it from Mad Men. 
Clark Collis of Entertainment Weekly says two films in, The Strangers has already become a horribly familiar franchise. I give it a C plus, which equals rotten. Are you confused? Yes. <laughs> Mark Guy named Mark from RogerEbert.com says an unexpected anomaly sequel that both is better than and fixes the problems of its predecessor. I give it a 3.5 out of 4. I think it's weird, the 1 to 4 scale. Like, when you do 1 to 5, you have more stars to deal with. You could make things 3 stars, 2.5 stars, but you do 4? I don't know. Bruce DeMar of the Toronto Star says, It would have helped immensely to have actors who could make us care about the awful things happening, but one really can't blame any of them. I give it a 4 out of 4. These young, next-generation actors. A 2 out of 4, I'm sorry. (laughs) See that—that's still me passing. That's it half has of. To be, yeah, it's half. I mean, it's not quite failing. It's not quite passing. Well, guess what, Stephen Brian Orndorff of Blu-ray.com loved it. The newest celebration of nihilism and chart-topping hits from the 1980s is actually quite effective when it wants to be. Finding signs of life in a brand name that was on its way to the morgue. <laughs> Well, Stephen, we need a lozenge. What do we got? No lozenges. <laughs> Next week we have Tomb Raider coming out. Are we going to go see it? Sure. Yeah. Tomb Raider, yeah, looks good. And I think Heather wants to be on the show. Should we set up a headset for her <laughs> next week? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> but you know what else we got after that? Okay, so next week we have Tomb Raider. Then uh, let's see. Then it's the 23rd. We have uh, Pacific Rim Uprising. Did you catch that in the um, in the intro, Stephen? Already, whoa! Do you remember that from the trailer? I'm excited. I think it looks good. What's funny is I. Uh, uh, Stephen DeKnight, who directs it, he's the guy who did Spartacus, Blood and Sand. Uh-huh. He did the first season of Daredevil. This is his first film directing. He's directed TV shows before, but I'm really excited about this. He talked all about when they lost Charlie Hunman because Charlie Hunman was getting to do his dream project, and it was going to happen the same time as Pacific Rim, so they couldn't use the script they'd written. So they wrote a new script uh, involving... Idris Elba's character's son and they were like who can we get to play his son and people were like how about John Boyega he was just in Star Wars and they'd heard like he didn't really want to do other sci-fi stuff since he was part of this huge sci-fi franchise now right, right. so they had him come in for their product uh, you know show him different projects they had to see if he was interested but Stephen and I was I want this room to be nothing but Pacific Rim stuff. I want storyboards. I want the models. I want all the stuff. We're going to bring them in here, okay? And we're basically going to go, oh, yeah, this is Pacific Rim. We're starting uh, to work on this movie. And so he walks in, and he's like, oh, my God, I love Pacific Rim. He's like, I love the monsters, the robots and stuff. And they're like, well, it's funny you should say that because we have a part for a guy that looks just like you. And he was like, I, I want to do in. it. That's and it. he like signed up. So they like, uh, 
they lured him in there and they got him to sign up for the movie. But I'm excited, Steve. He did the sci-fi attack the block. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I have no idea what that song is, but I think it's funny. Holy shit! Shh. I know. Steven. Break some veins! <laughs> yes! Well, guys, that was Let's Read Rotten Tomatoes. Thank you so much for listening to this wonderful episode. But I will be right back. We'll see you on the flip side. Okay, Steven? Yes. All right. Thank you. Good night. Steven, a man of many words. Shit yourself or something? Oh, Steven. Yes. You, you're no, okay? I did not. I'm good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Break some veins! All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of Entertainment Landfill News. This is episode 51, by the way, Steven. It's been so awesome doing this show with you, just talking about dumb news stories, reading Rotten Tomatoes, and now we're going to start playing games with you. Uh, it's going to be awesome. We're going to start playing mind games, man. I'm just oh, going to freak I'm you out. I'm going to lose. I'm going to lose big time. Guys, if you would, visit us at etlandfield.com. There you can find all of our previous episodes. You can check on the right under links and find our show archive. There you can find every episode of our show, including episode 103. That's right. I don't know why I said that. Just a random episode. You can find episode 4. You can find episode 92, episode 204. What about hmm, episode 16? 189. 189 is there too, Steven. You can find all of those. You can find our lunchtime shows. You can find our NIM movie minis. You can find our NIM commentaries. That sounds like a good game. Guess what episodes we can find, Steven. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yes, we're going to do that next time. <laughs> we did once did a commentary of... Uh, of movies <laughs> we did a commentary of all the prequels bill and i we also did lethal weapon 3 if you guys ever want to hear that just we done some crazy shit recently i kind of highlighted some of our nim movie minis we did where we talked uh steven do you remember that we you and i did a jaws episode do you yes. remember that yes that was a while back it wasn't that long ago but we didn't do uh the, that stupid movie i was part of what did we, we no about doing one. <laughs> no we didn't did we need to just watch it while we can hear it and talk about it <clears throat> but uh we've done nim movie minis of goonies die hard robocop gremlins lethal weapon back to the future jaws oh man bill and i even did practice runs we did x-men first class and super eight kind of when i was trying to figure out the format but I love those episodes, and if you guys want to go back and check those out, just click on the link that says Nim Movie Mini. You can hear us talk about those movies. It's very awesome. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Also, if you want, you can become a patron. Go to patreon.com slash landfill for as little as a dollar. A dollar a month. You can support the show and at times get free goodies. Sometimes get shows early. Yes, get me some lodges. Have you noticed my throat has been fine this week? I've been good. I've been talking more this week. 
speaker or cough medicine or something. I just think I'm better. Yeah. Also, check out our Entertainment Landfill Fan Club. That's right, guys. <laughs> the Entertainment Landfill Fan Club is basically taking place of our forum when we had one where you can make funny posts and stuff and we'll comment on things. It's awesome. Well, Steven, you got anything else you want to tell me? Directors Daily Goldstein Steven, and the game. Come on, we already heard your review of Game Nine. <laughs> Good stuff. Holy shit! I know, right? Listen, uh, it's not the end of the world. These kind of things happen. Uh. Yeah, I know. Steven, thank you so much. I've actually had three big D's slap me right across the face. Excuse me? What is it? <laughs> Scientology's got some decent ideas. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for uh, listening to the show. How many times have I said that? Oh, four or five. Steven, you need to thank people now. Everyone, thank you for listening to the show. Yes, thank you. Is it to Frank or to Beans? <laughs> <laughs> Which is your favorite part, Steven? Is it to Frank or to Beans? <laughs> yes, I love the Frank. Frank some Beans! <laughs> <laughs> That's our show. What are you waiting for? Get out there and watch some Pacific Rim, and we'll see you next time. Already. Yeah, already. Uh, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> All right, guys. Cheeky later. later. That's it. The show is over. Leave. Peace out. Casting. Break some veins. Break some veins.